Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses and Ranella Kalagithi, and you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaking Our Minds podcast. This is Brittany. And Vanilla. We are just kicking off, I guess, the new year still. Um, And in today's episode, we're talking about, we're kind of shifting gears a little bit, and we're talking about the power of slowness. We're going to kind of down-regulate here for a minute because we know everyone's just in a rush to kind of get to their goals and is our very forward thinking, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just kind of comes with the culture of this time of year. And we actually wanted to take a step back and think about just kind of being more intentional with how we are moving through life. I know I was just telling Ranella the other day, like, I know the beginning of the year is the year is a time to like kick things off and get going. But I just feel like I want to kind of withdraw a little bit and take a step back and get my life and home in order before kind of like jumping into everything else. How about you? Oh, no, I I know. And, you know, this thought has been recurring to me this year specifically, and that is that major pressure that we have on January 1 to be perfect. (laughs) I think it's quite ludicrous. And um, especially because, you know, the Roman Empire (laughs) back in the day decided that December 31 was going to be the end of the year. It so happens to be at the like slowest, coldest time when you just kind of want to chill. And so to me, I'm like, I think that January should be the time where you really start kind of thinking about what you want in the next year, what could be different, spending a lot of time reflecting, maybe start shifting a couple habits in January, February, you kind of, I don't know, like you're getting into it more, March is getting better, and then April, you're really in your habits, right? So cute too. And, you know, like that whole idea of just, um, 
even by now, January, you know, mid-January, end of January, people are already falling off of the things that they want this year because they're discouraged. And it's like, oh, come on, we have time. We have time. So anyway, I'm all I'm all for it, too. Just I'm really excited about about this podcast, particularly because we're going to be talking about slowing down. Yeah. So, yeah. I know that like, with, especially a couple of years ago, it, it really clicked with me that I needed to slow down because I was in school and I was working and just being a mom and newly becoming a wife and all the things. And it was just like, you know, I can't keep operating at this capacity mm-hmm. and I need to think about what is going to be sustainable for me in the long term. Um, and so actually I was... Uh, a, a friend of mine recommended this book called In Praise of Slowness and Challenging the Cult of Speed. And wow. I the was cult like, of okay, speed. that's so I know. strong. But it's so true, right? <laughs> it kind of is this culty speed mindset that we're all stuck in that we can't seem to get ourselves untangled from. Mm. And it was by Carl Honore. And I actually listened to it on audiobook and I was just like, this is speaking to my soul. Like this is clicking with me. Mm-hmm. And it was right before we were leaving for Italy. And I was like, I'm going to go to Italy and like not do anything and just kind of chill and eat some of the good slow food. Cause I hear they have um, slow food there, which is, there's a whole movement, by the way, there's a whole slow <laughs> movement in case you didn't know and you need to know. And that's no, why we know. have, it's amazing. And that's why we have Carl here on the podcast. I reached out to him and he's in the UK and he was just so great and willing to come on and share more about this with us. Uh, so Carl is actually with us now. Hi, Carl. How are you doing? Uh, how are things? Thanks so much for being here. Hi, it's great to be with you. And having heard your introduction, I now want to rush off to Italy myself and enjoy some of that slow <laughs> food. <laughs> Sometimes it's so funny. I saw this thing on TikTok where it's like, you thought you were anxious, but you really just need to leave the country. <laughs> you know, just kind of speaking to sometimes it's just kind of the culture you're you're in that's like pressuring you in all these ways. Um, but for those who aren't familiar with you, you are, you, you know, you're just a leading voice of the slow movement, especially kind of online. And you've, you know, you've written a book about it. You do lots of speaking about it. But could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what led you to this work? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, a, I guess I'm a writer really by trade. I was working as a foreign correspondent, which is a, a very fast kind of career with deadlines and news cycles and all that. And, and I loved it. I was thriving on it. And then and then we had our first child and mm. there was a collision between the demands of parenthood and the demands of journalism. Mm. And I just couldn't let anything go. So I just got faster and faster and faster. And I think that when we get stuck in fast forward like that, it often takes a shock to the system or a wake up call to make you realize you've forgotten how to put on the brakes mm. and that this is doing you real harm. And for me, the, sh- the shock to the system, the wake up call came when I started finally reading bedtime stories to my son. Mm. And and back in those days, man, I just, I just couldn't slow down. So I'd go into his room at the end of the day and I would speed read Snow White. <laughs> so I'd be <laughs> skipping lines, paragraphs. I became an expert in what I called the multiple page turn technique, which I don't know if you like yes. any part, wow. you try to smuggle three, four pages. It, it just never works, right? Because our kids know these stories back to front. Mm. So my son would always catch me out. He'd say, Daddy, 
why are there only three dwarves you in the story? <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened to Grumpy? And this really lamentable state of affairs went on for some time until I caught myself flirting with a book I'd heard about called The One Minute Bedtime Story. So Snow White in 60 Seconds. And I read about this book and thought, you know what? Hallelujah, man. What a great idea. I need that book now. Amazon drone delivery. But then a second reaction came over me and it was like a light bulb over the head moment. And I suddenly thought, whoa, has it really come to this? Am I really in such a hurry? I'm prepared to fob off my little boy with a soundbite instead of a story at the end of the day. And it was just, it was one of those moments that it was like an out-of-body experience. Like I could oh. see myself in sharp relief. And what I saw there was it was just ugly. It was unedifying. I was racing through my life instead of living it. And, and that's when yeah. I, I guess I hit rock bottom and I thought, no, I'm not going to carry on like this. I'm going to, I'm going to slow down. And so as a journalist, I wanted to understand not only my own addiction to speed and hurry and busyness and distraction, but also the bigger picture. So I spent a couple of years traveling around the world and out of that came my first book in praise of slowness, which became, if you like the foundation text for, for what people call the slow movement. Wow. That is such an incredible story. I love that it was um, your son, you know, there's something about our relationships um, that that slow us down, that help us see what really matters in life, which is so beautiful. But I can't, I can imagine that that would have been a really tough transition to just, you know, it's not like one day you just snapped your fingers and were like, okay, this has to change. And then tomorrow it's all different. Like, yeah. what was that process like, you know, in short, as far as like, you were just going, going, going. And then all of a sudden, this is like a totally new lifestyle, it seems. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a, it's a 180 degree swing. And the key word here is process, right? It takes time. It's slowing down is slow. I mean, this is one mm -hmm. of the ironies of the modern world is that we're also pumped up with adrenaline we're all so impatient that we even want to slow down fast, right? So people, That's the number so of times true. people say to me, you know, people say, oh, I watched your TED talk or I read your book and, or, you know, and, and, and I thought, oh, I need to slow down too. So I signed up for some yoga and then I ran across the street to do some meditation and I hurried home to cook a slow food meal. You think, you missed the point here, right? <laughs> and, and, and of course, speed, living in turbo mode, becomes at some point a kind of addiction, physical, chemical, psychological, emotional. And you don't pull yourself out of an addiction overnight. It's a, it's a process with stages. And you may have, as you move away from turbo mode to tortoise mode, you're going to have steps forward and a step back. You're going to fall off the wagon sometimes, you know, and it's, so it's about building up gradually and slowly. You don't just snap your fingers in one day you have the inner calm of the Dalai Lama, right? It, it doesn't happen like that. It takes time. You have to slow down slowly, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. But you can do it. It's within all of our reach. And that's what's been so inspiring for me and what gets me out of bed and puts fire in my belly every morning is knowing mm. that this message, so simple mm. of slowing down in a fast world, is there for everyone. And every day I'm hearing from people around the world, whether it's through social media or whatever, saying, this reached me, this message, and it's changed everything. This has been a game changer for me. And this is what I'm doing differently now. This is how I'm working differently, how I'm making love yeah. differently, how I'm raising my children differently, how I'm exercising, all these things. Because of course, pace, tempo, rhythm, speed, they affect every single thing we do, mm. right? It's not just about the workplace or bedtime stores. It's everything. It's about moving through every moment. And this is crucial. I think 
maybe it's a good moment to underscore what we mean when we talk about the slow movement with a capital yeah. S. Yeah. Because what it, what it doesn't mean is doing everything slowly, right? I mean, that would be that would be absurd, right? I'm an extremist of slowness. I love speed, <laughs> right? Faster, faster is often better. We all know that. I mean, I'm speaking to you from London, right? One of the fastest cities in the world. I love this town, right? I love the buzz of, of the big city. I love the adrenaline rush of a good deadline. Fast, faster is often better, but not always. And that's the key to unlocking this slow revolution, right? Because slow with a capital S is about doing everything at the right speed. So sometimes fast, but sometimes you slow things down. You pick the right pace for the moment. Musicians have a beautiful term for this. They talk about the tempo giusto the correct tempo for each piece of music. And that kind of gets at what slow is about. Because really, when you drill down into this slow culture quake, it's it's a mindset. It's a state of mind. It's quality over quantity. It's being mm -hmm. present in the moment. It's slow is doing one thing at a time. Do you remember when we used to do that? Oh. <laughs> Ultimately, slow really is about doing everything not as fast as possible, but as well as possible which at its core is an immensely simple idea, but at the same time, a hugely powerful one. Because once you change that chip in your head and you arrive at each moment thinking, not how can I get through this moment as fast as possible, but as well as possible, right? That just changes everything. That means you do mm. everything better and enjoy it more, which is why underneath the overarching umbrella of the slow movement, there are in every field of human endeavor, there is a slow movement. So you mentioned slow food. There's slow sex, slow education, slow management, slow art, slow travel, slow fashion, slow medicine, you name it. People coming to the party and saying, how can I do this thing better and enjoy it more by slowing yeah. down to the right speed, finding the right tempo for the moment. Very simple, but transformational. Yeah, I I, I love that so much. And I, I resonate with that so much. Um, I think about my husband's a musician. He's a pianist. And it's interesting because like listening to him, like we go to all these like concerts and recitals and you are really forced to sit there and slow down and listen to music quietly for like an hour, two hours. And at first I was not used to it. I was just like, <laughs> oh man, this feels like forever. <laughs> um, but you're right. I couldn't imagine him speeding through Rachmaninoff or like speeding through Beethoven or like a piece. He's very thoughtful about the, the, the speed and the tempo of everything that he does. And there's a meaning to why at this part it, he, you know, slowed down and that why at this part he sped up a bit, you know, it's very intentional. And it kind of yeah. reminds me of the saying that, you know, when, when we, you know, when we give into speed, we kind of sacrifice direction. And there can be so many of us that are kind of going nowhere fast because we, I'll speak for myself. I notice that when I'm going fast, that's when I'm the most disconnected from myself. And that's when I fall into a lot of my like maladaptive habits and, and patterns that, you know, I worked so hard to break, whether it's just like people pleasing or just being re reactive or responsive instead of like thinking about the things that I need to do or what are my priorities or what's good for my health. But you're caught up in it with like everyone else. You know what I mean? Like other people, they're in that speed and they're in that fast forward. Mm. And so you're, you're also, it, because we don't live in a void. We It's not just us by ourselves. We're connected to people in everyday life and with work and with social media and with all these things that we actually need to sustain to keep ourselves alive. Um, and you talk about how, you know, our world is addicted to speed and you kind of said it as well. And 
I'm wondering, just kind of speculating here, like, where is this coming from? Like this, this cult of speed or this need for speed that we are all kind of trapped in as a culture. I think there's a whole cocktail of reasons why we find ourselves in this roadrunner moment. If you go back a long time, you know, you can go back to the Roman era, right? When people began measuring time (laughs) through sundials and so on. As soon as man started measuring time, Mm. time flipped the tables and started measuring man. Because as soon as you can measure time, Mm. you've you've got a schedule. As soon as you have a schedule, you have deadlines. And as soon as you have deadlines, you have speed, hurry, and rush. You have the stress of getting the thing done by a certain time, right? So that's been there forever. What's also been there forever is mortality, right? You know, we only have a certain number of years on this planet. And that puts the greatest deadline of all upon us. And I think there's a certain, there can sometimes be a sort of feeling of, oh, I've got to get this done before the sort of ending uh, of, of my life. So that's, those are sort of some of the big meta um factors involved here. But I think if you get into the modern era, we can point the finger at technology, right? The the industrial revolution allowed us to do things faster and faster with machines. And then we tied that to productivity. Mm. So the faster you could produce a widget, the more money you made. And then that ethos spread out of the factory and colonized every corner of our lives so that we're obsessed with optimization, right? Which is another way of talking about productivity. We want to optimize everything from our sleep to the way we eat, to our exercise, to our, <laughs> we're on this constant hamster wheel of optimization. So there's a kind of cultural push to squeeze as much as you can into as little time as possible. And that's in every corner of our lives. The workplace, obviously, is very demanding now. We live in a 24-7 global economy. That puts a lot of pressure on us as well. And then I think also the consumer culture, right? The whole world is this endless smorgasbord of things to consume, buy, collect, experience, and the natural human instinct. You know, we're we're creatures of, of famine, right? Creatures of mm. the, the savanna when there wasn't much around, right? You and, and when you have a feast, when there's suddenly some food, you just gorge. And we're now living in a world where we can gorge all the time. You turn around at every corner, there's a Krispy Kreme donut, right? And we just <laughs> don't know how to stop eating. And it's the same thing. You turn around, you've got your phone in your pocket. There's social mm. connection everywhere. We're programmed yeah. to have social connection. And we just don't know when to stop. You go on to look at Instagram, you're there 25 minutes later, you haven't even noticed that you're completely hooked into it. So all those things are happening. But I think there's something, there's a thread here that goes even deeper that you touched on a little bit there. And it's this, I think that for many of us, speed, busyness, distraction, just racing around is a is a, is a form of denial. It's a way mm. of running away from ourselves. It's a way of walling ourselves off from the big questions like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What is my purpose here? Am I living the right life for me? Because those are frightening. Those are questions we all need to reckon with in order to leave, you know, to live a life worthy of the name, to live the life that's right for us. But at the beginning, it's terrifying to contemplate those questions. Yes. It's easier to get into fast forward mode and contemplate and to sweat the small stuff, the small questions like, where are my keys? I'm late for my 11 a.m., right? It's much easier to deal with that. So very often, I think people say, oh, I'm going so fast, I'm right. I often ask, are you running towards something or are you running away from something? And I think for mm, many so of us, good. Running away, we're running away from that, from ourselves, because that's ultimately what slowing down is in many ways. You described it there sitting in a, a classical music hall for two hours, right? What's uncomfortable for us in that moment is that it's just us. You're just, yeah. you are, it's you, right? It's you and your thoughts. And that can be very frightening. It's hugely 
important to, to have those moments. Every culture has has traditions and rituals for for prayer, for meditation, for spending that time with yourself. We've obliterated that mm. in the always on social media landscape. Now we're just constantly connected by a million filaments to other people and distraction and stimulation. We never have that time to do the metaphysical homework, the heavy lifting on the inside and say, okay, who am I? How do I fit into the world? How do I want to move through the world? Where do I want to be in five years? Those are questions we all need to be grappling with, but they're scary at first. And, and that's why I think people find slowing down. They start off at the beginning and think, yeah, this is for me. I'm stuck in fast forward. I'm racing through my life. I'm not living it. I want to slow down. Then they start to slow down. And it's, you know, the first thing they encounter is themselves and think, goodness me, I've not encountered myself in seven years. And so, oh. so you think, oh, this is not from, and you speed up again. That's why therapists often describe the final stage before burnout as one last burst of acceleration, as though the mm -hmm. person is trying desperately to escape all of their problems, anxieties, trying to escape themselves, right? Mm -hmm. By going that little bit faster until bang, hit the wall, crash, forced to slow down. And in my experience, no one has two burnouts, right? And once mm -hmm. you have a real burnout, you may come back to the same career, the same life, but you come back with a slow spirit because you've finally been forced to slow down and do that. I think of it as kind of like almost homework, right? Because it, it, mm -hmm. it can be difficult. Homework can be a little bit painful, but it's very helpful. Right? It's useful. It's essential. Yeah. And it's to do that intellectual, metaphysical, emotional, internal homework. Um, and you need to slow down to do it. You can't do it yeah. with juggling nine things or racing around like a headless chicken. I think wow. one of my biggest fears is like spending my life racing up a ladder just to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall, so to speak, you know, the whole time. I lived a life that was so disconnected from myself. By the end of it, I realized none of it was fully me. And I remember having a therapy session and this was when I was like at the height of my anxiety and I was telling my therapist, yeah, I wake up, I'm journaling, I'm thinking about how to make the most of my day. And she's like, that sounds really uh, stressful. I was like, what? She was like, you're already starting off thinking about like how you're going to make the most of your day and the most of your time. And da -da -da. Optimization, like, there it is yeah, <laughs> she was like, you're already setting your nervous system up for like anxiety. And I was like, oh. That's so true, but it's so ingrained. I think. I think. Uh, just a, a, an addendum thought here: the pandemic was uh, a global workshop in slowness, right? So everybody yeah. was forced to slow down. And it was funny, actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we all got locked up in our homes, or many of us did. So many people wrote to me from around the world and said, "Oh, you must be so happy, right? You know, everybody's finally <laughs> slowed down." And I said, "Dude." I am not happy. I, I no point was I ever happy about the pandemic. It was a nightmare for everybody. But I do think yeah. it lasted long enough that it did act as a kind of workshop and slow for people. And what people finally found, many people anyway, was that they, by slowing down, they did something they'd never done before, which was they did nothing, right? I mean, there was, there was no FOMO because there was nothing to miss out on. Right. People stayed at home. They They began baking bread. They began spending time with their loved ones. They just let their minds wander. They did that slow stuff. And it's very revealing that since the pandemic, so many people came out of that moment wanting to make seismic changes in their lives. You know, they came out of the pandemic and said, you know what? I was on autopilot before, just like you're talking about. They realized they were climbing up the wrong ladder on the wrong wall mm. because they'd taken the time to reflect, to look inside, to think deeply, to contemplate the big picture, to join the dots, right? All the stuff you do 
when you slow down. And it came out of the pandemic and said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to change careers now, or I'm leaving this bad relationship, or I'm, I don't know, I'm changing genders, or I'm moving from the country to the city, or the city to, you know, big, big tectonic changes, the kind of changes you only ever make after you've done that slow stuff first, right? That's the, wow. that's the key. That's the launch pad. That's the trampoline towards making those big, wise, happy changes. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I really want to get into that piece more because I think we do have a lot of um, pressure in our mm -hmm. society to accomplish certain things by a certain age. And that also adds to oh, all yeah. this. But it's um, one thing that I thought of as you were sharing was, um, so I come from an Indian and Filipino background and we grew up, you know, I was born and raised here, but um, my parents were born and raised in their countries. And so it's always very interesting to me uh, because if you know anything about Indians, <laughs> you know that a lot of times like they can be kind of like late people. Like we're, you know, as a culture, when you go to India and a wedding is supposed to start at 2 p.m., that means that, you know, it's around that ballpark probably will start around 4.30. Now, I'm not saying that that's how everyone can live in a society, but it's always so interesting thinking back to my roots and the ways that the East is starting to influence the West a little bit more in things like yoga and mindfulness, because as a culture, you know, there are pros and cons of both, right? Um, but as a culture, uh, when you go to India, and we go to India, you know, often, and uh, we go to like the village, we're just where our parents grew up, we're not in the big cities. And you just look around and people are sitting in front of their houses. They're just sitting there. They're talking to the people that are going by. There's not really a time frame like, everyone is just very invested in that moment and it's such mm -hmm. a different feel the the relationships are a lot you know more intense and stronger and family obviously is really really important and so it is just really interesting how um you know how the two are kind of um hopefully influencing each other um because i know that in in society now, you know, there is a lot more of uh, an awareness of mindfulness and being present and that timeliness. And of course, in the West, in America, for me, like, of course, timeliness is super important. But I always try to remember that the timeliness itself is not like the moral thing. It's, you know, being able to honor other people's time, but in my own mindset and my own way of being trying to add a little bit of my roots to to what I do in everyday life. And so it's just really interesting because you you won't find this problem very much in Eastern countries. And um, and it is this productivity, this mindset. And I think what you also don't see as much is the pressure to figure everything out by like 30 years old. And I remember, I think I was watching something, maybe it was your TED talk or something where you were sharing about the pressure that we have to like figure it out by your twenties and how much mm. that affects how we live and our mental health and the pressures we put upon ourselves. So I would love for you to talk about that because we do have a lot of people in their twenties and thirties that listen to this podcast. And I think that that pressure is very real. The clients that I see as a coach and as a therapist really struggle with that too. So anyway, would love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into some more recent work I've done. So my most recent book is called Boulder and it's about aging and attitudes to aging and so on. And and the basic thesis is that, you know, I've in all the work I did in slow, I'm, I'm taking on the cult of speed 
with the new work I'm taking on the cult of youth, right? The idea that younger is better, mm. that mm. aging is a downward spiral, that it's a punishment, a disease, a form of failure. And, and, you know, we live in a world where being older can mean being written off everywhere from the bedroom yeah. to the boardroom, right? So what that does, it, it, it's a paradox because of course we're in a moment now when it's never been a better time in human history to grow older, right? You know, we're living better for longer than ever before on this planet. Mm. And yet at the same time, have we ever felt worse about growing older? <laughs> the very idea of aging elicits fear, shame, guilt, disgust, and a, and a lot of denial, right? Um, so, but, but the flip side of that is that when you create a world that tells you that it's game over at 40 or it's starting to be game over at 30, you're piling so much pressure on people to get it all done by, by 29, right? I remember feeling that myself in my 20s. I remember thinking... I have to get this position as a foreign correspondent staffer on a paper by 30, because if I don't, it is game over, right? I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the other side of the hill. I'll be on the downward slope. And now that I'm in my 50s, I realize that's just preposterous, right? <laughs> life, the arc of life is not a downward slope. It's an upward surge, right? In so many ways, you get better at things as you get older. And yet the culture is constantly bombarding us with the idea that if you don't get it done by 30, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30 list and so on, it just sends this toxic message that you don't have time, but it's it goes along with the slow message because basically what the cult of youth is telling you is you don't have much time and the cult of speed is telling you the same thing and it's telling you go faster and faster, mm. but that's wrong, right? You've got so much time. We've got, yeah. we've got more time than we've ever had in history now. And in fact, if you think about just one data point here, on um, entrepreneurship, right? This is one of the mm -hmm. great myths of a, um, the ageist myths, if you like, out there is that entrepreneurship is the monopoly of young people, right? So who gets all the headlines on Planet Startup? Zuckerberg, it's all the sort of teenagers and 20-somethings. But actually, if you drill down into the numbers, you are way more likely to launch a successful startup in middle age or beyond, right? Mm. 47 and up. No. This idea that you're finished at 40, like they say in Silicon Valley, is just nonsense, right? It's weapons grade hogwash. And yet we've all swallowed this idea. I had swallowed it myself in my 20s thinking, oh, I've got to get on this crazy treadmill because after it'll all be over at 30. It's not over at 30. It's mm. every big birthday with a zero on it. You're just turning the page and launching yourself into the next chapter. In fact, my favorite metaphor now for aging is, and I'm not a gamer, never been one. But it's gaming, right? So you think of yourself as levels. So I'm now, I'm now, I've just turned 56. So that means I'm a level 56. I'm going to enjoy everything that level 56 has to offer. Garner Amen. all the treasure, pick up all the tools and the weapons. And I'm going to look back sometimes and think, you know, level 23 was a lot of fun, but I don't want to go back to level 23. <laughs> Man, I've got myself all the way to level 56 and I am smashing it here. I'm loving it. And I'm kind of <laughs> wondering what level 57 holds for me. That's the spirit we yeah. need to bring to the to the party, not this sort of doer, downbeat, grim, bleak rubbish that you know it you you you've got to throw in the towel at thirty. You don't, right? Yeah. You've got yeah. so much time. I, I, that's all I can say. I wish it, yes. people will say, what would you say to your younger self? So glad you asked me this question because this is the thing I always say. If I could go back to my younger self, I would say, you've got so much time, so much more time than you think slow down, make the most of the moments you've got now because you're never going to get them back. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. I feel like um, your wording, I think language is really important. And when I first read the cult of speed and then you're like, now I'm working on the cult of youth, 
it's a very strong word, but I think, um, you know, underlying it is the idea that these are massively strong beliefs that are just not true. And I think it matches the amount of probably intensity with which we have to keep spreading this message in order for people to undo it yeah. in their mind, because it is such a widely accepted idea uh, that that aging is is bad or aging is like, you know, I'm losing more and more of myself instead of gaining more and more of myself. So this is this is so important and so incredible. Yeah, yeah, I was I was just thinking, Ronella, you know how we love talking about constructs and how so many things are just constructs of our culture, you know, and this is one of those things is what are our collective psychological construct is around age, you know, and, and we, and, you know, Carl mentioned like a number of ways that that has come into our construct, whether it's from the Roman empire or the industrial revolution or uh, the optimization of things. And it's so difficult because narratives are so strong, especially when they've been going on for generations. We, Narratives don't start with us. You know, we are born into narratives that are already existing. We are born into constructs that are already existing. And so I want to kind of shift to thinking about like, how do we move away from these narratives? Um, I, I love what you said, Ranella, about language, because I think you need mm -hmm. a strong language for something that has such a strong hold over us. And, and this is one of those things. Um, and so just thinking about how we can break away from that narrative, you know, talking about maybe some practical ways of like how to slow down, maybe what does this look like in daily life or in a weekly sense? How can someone begin to start slowing down and deconstructing that narrative and Honestly, I read your book last year, but I'm like, I'm listening and I'm like, I needed this reminder today. I, this is one of those things we're just going to need a <laughs> yeah. constant reminder about because the other, the alternative message is constantly in our face yes. and it's, and it's constantly our reality. And so it's like, this is something we just have to keep returning to. Um, so yeah, what, what, what might that look like translating it to kind of so, practically? I mean, I think the there life. are lots of. If I, I mean, I, I know there are, there are lots of ways that we can take down the, well, I, I think of it as the ageist industrial complex and also the, the speed industrial complex, right? And it is, a, these are constructs, right? And, and, and Renella, you mentioned language. I think that's often a good place to start because language is so often the, the underpinning that lays the foundation and holds up, props up and perpetuates these, these constructs. So I think we, we start thinking about using different, different language. I mean, mm. just the other day you know the, the idea talking about a senior moment right mm. which tells us that everybody loses their memory after a certain yeah. which is just so not true right you know but it's reinforcing the myth that aging is all about decline so you flip senior moment you say mm. next time you can't find your keys it's a i don't know it's a here i'm happy you know it's a goldfish moment say right you know like goldfish was short but you yeah. play around with it find language that is either neutral or bigs up the other side bigs up slowness bigs up aging in a way that challenges the the narrative that's being rammed down our throats at at every turn. So I think language is a really important starting point. Uh, it, in, in coming back to the slow side of things, I think within the slow movement, the fact that there's so many movements that use the word slow with a capital S on it, I think has been very helpful. So whether it's the slow fashion movement or slow travel, that that word, that little English word slow has 
escape from the Anglosphere to become a shorthand, a global shorthand for a whole philosophy of life, a way of being, a way of moving through the world that's all about the tempo justo, right? The correct tempo. So having that word slow and giving it a capital S elevates it. And I think in, in doing so challenges that cult of speed and says there's another way to approach this. There's another way to be a human being in the 21st century, a better way, right? So I think it's useful to have that. So I'm always thrilled when I see new little movements, whether it's slow gaming or whatever, someone with a big capital S and there it is. Or or someone sends me a website and it's all in Mandarin and I see the word English word slow with a capital S and you think, okay, this is, that language has gone out there like a meme almost and just wrinkled and ruffled feathers and so on and got people thinking differently. But I think there are other concrete steps we can all take to slow down. Uh, I mean, we haven't even talked about technology, right? <laughs> maybe we, maybe that's a good place yeah. to start. Right? Yes, let's please. Um, here we are on Zoom. I mean, I'm I'm not a luddite, right? The gadgets are great. I have the MacBook, an iPhone. They're wonderful. They're great tools and 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 fun toys. But they all have a red button somewhere that means off, and and we just don't use that button enough. Yes. And I think of a starting point, pretty much for anyone in the 21st century who wants to reconnect with their own rhythms and and find that slow groove, is to turn the turn the screens off, right? Like nobody needs to be online or looking at a screen as much as most of us are. I mean, the numbers are staggering. They're eye-watering. Like we're talking seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's just social media. I mean, it's just insane, right? It's off the charts, not just crazy. So finding ways to switch off, right? You know, whether you, you know, one thing I, I made a TV show in Australia a few years ago called uh, Frantic Family Rescue, which you can tell from the title. It's like helping these very fast, wired families slow down. And what I used to, uh, remember Super Nanny? You heard of Super Nanny? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So basically in this show, I was like slow nanny. So I had to slow down these very fast families. <laughs> and the way I started every every first day was I would turn up with a gadget box, this big box, and every single electronic device in the house went into the gadget box for the month, right? So um, games, consoles, phones, tablets, everything. And it was a pretty traumatic day for people, right? You know, there were tears on gadget and not just the children, <laughs> some of the parents as they had to, um, but it just meant that it changed the whole tenor, timber, you know, the whole sort of vibe in the home to have the gadget switch off. Now you can, you don't necessarily have to have all your gadgets in the box all the time, but maybe you just agree mm -hmm. in the home to say for certain hours of the day, everything is switched off. It doesn't mean we all have to sit around the fire like Little House in the Prairie and, and, and read books <laughs> together. Know that in that moment, no one is distracted. Everyone is available. Everyone yeah. is present in a way that they're not when there's an iPad on or when someone might be looking at Netflix. So you just carve out a couple hours a day when, or a whole day on Sunday or whatever and, and build up from there and find the right balance for your own household, your own family. So, so that, that's one place to start. But I mean, with the technology, there are all kinds of things. There's another little hack that I think is really useful and is there for everyone. They've shown that when two people are in a conversation together in the real world. So uh, it could be two friends, it could be a husband, wife, could be, I don't know, boss, client, whatever. If there is a phone visible during that conversation, so just visible, it doesn't need to ring or light up or vibrate, it's just visible. Those mm -hmm. two people keep the conversation at a more superficial level, right? So mm -hmm. the next time you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, hide your phone, right? Really simple, put it in your pocket, slip it in a bag, hide it under a magazine. <laughs> and that small, slow hack can make a huge difference to the depth and resonance of the conversation you'll have with the other person, right? So wow. people often hear slow and they think, oh man, I got to throw away my phone and meditate for nine hours and live in the 
countryside and grow organic carrots. <clears throat> That's one version <laughs> slow. It's not one that suits me or most of us, right? Sometimes it's just small adjustments. Little injections of slow can make a huge payoff in terms of the quality of experience, the depth of connection with other people, right? So finding those little moments when you can turn off or turn the screen away or just hide the phone can make a big, big difference. So that's a, those are some places to start with the tech. Yeah, I, I, as you were saying that, one of the things that I have uh, was kind of on my list for this year of things I wanted to change was the amount of time I spend on my phone, especially on social media. And so starting in November, December, I started you know, um, this is the first step for me, which is actually creating downtime and screen time limits on my phone. And so my phone goes off at 8 p.m. My apps just shut, you know, I can't access my apps at 8 p.m. And I also wanted to start reading more this year. And I knew that in order to read more, I really needed to be off of social media. And so now it is a wonderful, beautiful practice that's only been a couple months, but by 8.30, I'm in bed with a book. And that has changed so many things. It makes me feel like I'm back in, personally, it makes me feel like I'm back in the 90s, back in my, you know, time when I used to actually like spend time with myself. And it's been yeah. so good. And I'm sleeping earlier. I'm waking up earlier. I am more productive. And it's just by having one setting that is like three clicks, right? So absolutely, I love that uh, those small things that make a huge difference. And um, there will be times that I just power the phone down completely. Like if I know for the next three hours, I actually, there's nothing urgent. I don't need to be connected to this device. I'll just turn it off for three hours. And it's incredible how much I'm present. And so I was, as you were saying that, I was like, yes, it works. I love it. <laughs> they <laughs> say so being... lovely to hear that. Uh -huh. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, they say being offline is the new luxury. Yeah, but it, should, it shouldn't be, right? It should be the norm. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, I, I for my phone, my phone, all the notifications are off all the time, right? Which I think is another one of those small changes really in some ways that people find terrifying yeah but yeah. make a huge difference right because as soon as because what you if your notifications are on what you're effectively doing is you're allowing other people to control your time you, they they are dictating when you're going to get interrupted when you're going to look at think you know whereas if you just turn off your notifications then you decide when to look at your inbox when to pull yourself out of a, out of a moment of deep work or a, or a, a profound connection with another human being you decide when to stop that and look at what's happening in your in your social media or whatever it is, right? So turning off yeah. notifications, I think, is another super helpful thing to do. It's great that you what you filled that time with was reading. I'll let you in on a little secret here. I'm putting together, been meaning to do this for a while now, putting together a, a book with 52 tips for slowing down. Oh. And just before we came on to record this podcast, I was working, I think it was on tip 43, and it was read more. It was read books. Yeah. It was actually, <laughs> Meant literally. To be. So I've written the first paragraph of that page, <laughs> and I'm hearing, hearing it right here yes. from you now. So I think that's a sign that, I, oh, <laughs> yes. that we're, that we're on, both on literally on the that, same page and the right page. <laughs> yes. For me, I am a pro productivity machine in my brain. It doesn't turn off very easily. So actually, mine is not even just any book, because I will read self-help books to try to still be productive. Uh, I'm reading yeah. fiction right now, fiction, which yeah. I have not done in years, because I don't give myself permission to actually sit down and do quote unquote nothing that's productive. So it's, yes. it's shifted everything. And so 
I, um, I, I, I've had this thought and I, I want to talk about this before we end in like 15, 20 minutes, but, um, I kind of want to, in the spirit of slowness, going back to something that you talked about, I think so much of this has to do with your sense of self being in charge of your own life, knowing yeah. where you want to go. Because if you don't have that direction, if you don't know how you want to slow down and why, then of course you're going to fill it with all kinds of things because it makes you feel like you're going somewhere. Yeah. And in those quiet <laughs> moments, it reminds us that maybe we don't know where we're going or what we do want. And um, I kind of just want to maybe sit for just a moment. Um, let's just say someone is like, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to take these practical things. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to, you know, set some limits, do these things. And they kind of come face to face with this feeling. And the feeling is overwhelming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, this is maybe the first time ever that they're doing this. What would you tell them in that moment? Maybe it's the beginning of them finding themselves deepening their understanding of who they are and it's scary is there something that you could share with them to kind of help them through that moment i would i would say to them that first of all that you're not alone that this is what we all go through in that moment and that it's okay not to know right i think this is one of the, the this is one of the tyrannies of modern life is that mm -hmm. everything is got to be clear it's got to, you know we need the metric show me the numbers right everything is sort of binary it's black and white it's plotted on a graph it's in a spreadsheet right mm. it's in a powerpoint slide but actually so much of the most fertile rich transcendent experience exists in those little liminal spaces in between the places of uncertainty when you don't know what you feel you don't know yeah. what question even to ask you just and I think to surrender to that is frightening at first, mm -hmm. but if you if you stick with it, if you allow yourself to fall through the fear, you come out the other side and it's it's incredibly uplifting, actually. It's like an adventure. You suddenly think, here I am, you're, I'm, I'm floating around, it's, it's okay. I don't know, you know? <laughs> it's okay, right? And it's through that uncertainty. I think the uncertainty is one of the stages you move through mm -hmm. to start seeing the silhouette of the next question that will be helpful for you. And from that question, you'll find another question. Because mm -hmm. in a way, I'm not sure if you ever really find an answer. Do you? I mean, I, I think it's really all about asking better and better questions. And, and, and I think that's so at odds with our culture, which doesn't like questions. It likes answers, right? It's yeah. you, know, you type in a Google search, you get an answer. You go to AI, you get an answer, right? Everybody gives you an answer. Mm. And, and and we should be browsing rather than searching and discovering in a way. <laughs> You're kind of discovering through the browsing, the act of browsing through your mind and your possibilities and the world around you. You're kind of floating around in that. And I think that's that's actually very exciting. But I do understand because just hearing you talk about it there, I remember that my I myself felt the same. Mm -hmm. I think terror is the right word, right? Because you get it's like the first time when you're learning to swim and you let go of the side in the pool and you you you're off. I think it's that feeling. Suddenly yeah. you think, no, I do kind of know how to swim. I've been I've been doing all this, but this is really scary, right? You don't give up, you stick with it. You kind of push through that barrier of fear and then all the stuff you've been learning about the different strokes and how to kicks in and then you find yourself and then it's exhilarating right 
So I suppose yeah. maybe there's one metaphor to think of is that sort of moment that. in the swimming pool of sheer terror, right? As you enter that liminal space of uncertainty, but that's where the music and the magic happens mm. is in that space. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, every time I go into that space where I just like disconnect from social media and everything, and I just kind of have that moment to myself, whether it's a morning ritual of like, I like lighting an incense. It kind of reminds me of like my grandmother's home because they used to light incense back in the day and just kind of take a moment to journal and just think about my intentions, what have you. When I take the time to do those things, I'm like, this feels so good. You're just like, why don't I do this more often? It's kind of like going to the gym. You're just like, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to get sweaty. I don't want to work out. And then when you're there and you're feeling the endorphins and the adrenaline and your, your body's doing all the things you're like, this feels so good. Why don't I go? Why don't I exercise my body more? Um, I feel like it's the same thing with this slowness. It's like, it's the thing we know that we need to do. It's the thing our soul is, is pulling us toward when we're in it mm -hmm. and it feels good for our soul. And yet because of this constant barrage of the cult of urgency that we continue to get pulled in, whether it's from work or family or um, social media or what have you, um, it just continues to take us outside of ourselves. And I think for me, that's kind of the big takeaway uh, for this is, um, like I said in the very beginning, when I listened to your book, it resonated on a soul level. And I really do pay attention to those things that register with the soul because I think that is our true self. I think that's our true wiring mm -hmm. and how we are truly made to function. And so my big takeaway is to kind of take, is to pay attention to that you know, pay attention to the things that resonate at a soul level and um, just continue to practice doing those things. Gosh, I'm just thinking personally, and you gave all these practical tips, which are great. And it's just like, we're going to have to be really intentional about this thing because there's just too many things that are pulling us away. Um, not even just like time and social media, but also like ego wise, you know, like we, yeah. our ego feels bigger and better when we're being productive. And like Renella said, we're fitting something productive into every part of our day, even our downtime, even our rest time is like, how can I work on myself by like reading this self-help book? And it's still this productivity. Mm. And I was the same way. And I'm, I'm like you, Renella, me and my husband at the end of the day yesterday, we just sat there and played hangman. And that was our slow. <laughs> it's just like, when is the last time we just played Hangman? We played Dots. We played Carl. We played Dots and Boxes. I don't know if you remember that game, but you're like, I remember like it well. Yeah. The lines, and then you put your initial every time you get a box. We played that for like an hour. I didn't even remember how long the game could go, but that was like our slow. And it was like, wait, this is really nice. Like we're just playing some oh, simple exactly. games and slowing down. And so I love Renella that you mentioned you turn your phone off at a certain time or have notifications. And I think for all of us, just thinking about just some simple shifts that we can make in our life that will kind of change the way that we're moving. I don't know if it's that we like have a away response for emails at a certain time of day where people just know we're not responding to emails to the next morning. Um, you mentioned um, you mentioned um, deep work. Deep work by Cal Newport is also a really great book on just slowing down with work. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's my takeaway: is just to be mindful of the things that disconnect us from ourselves. Pay attention to what's resonating with our soul, and be willing to start putting some boundaries and systems in place so that we can actually um, practically and realistically live it out. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I I think my takeaway is. 
Um, I think the thing that really stood out to me is that this is a process of becoming. It's not necessarily just the checklist of I turned off the apps, I did this downtime, mm -hmm. I'm doing these things. It is the full body, mind, and spirit experience of knowing you have such value and worth by just yeah. being a human. And that this idea of slowness and the ability to take control of your life, be in charge, it does require a certain sense of self that ultimately will bring you to the point where you have to think about your life. You have to think about your priorities. You have to think about how um, you know all of this is affecting your mental health. We talk about, you know, I'm a therapist. Uh, Brittany's a therapist in training. Like we we talk so much about mental health because, I mean, how anxiety and depression are all connected to this idea of like moving so quickly through life because there's something we're running away from. And so for me, you know, whoever is listening to this. Being able to take that big, deep breath and maybe face that your biggest fear, which might be yourself. You know, you are worthy. There's nothing to be ashamed of about who you are and where you're at in life, whether you're 25, 27, 52. There's so much life to live. There's not a rush. The most important thing is to find who you are and what you want and start asking those questions because like Carl said that's where the magic is and so as we kind of wrap up Carl how would you you know is there anything if, if you could share with our listeners that you could just leave us with um you shared so much and maybe you can also share with us how we can get in touch with you and, and learn more from you sure uh well I'll start with the last question that's very easy I've got a, a link tree which is, has everything from books to courses to tips to you name it more than anyone could ever want to know about me and my work it's all in one place and it's just <laughs> my full full name no punctuation so carlhonore.info carlhonore.info nice and easy and then a couple of final thoughts I, I mean we've covered so much ground uh maybe just a couple of quotes i mean one I, my go-to line is that in a world addicted to speed slowness is a superpower and I think that's something that I quite often whisper to myself in moments when I can feel the pressure or the temptation to go faster than I should. And so on. it just keep kind of, it's useful to have a phrase or something like a mantra almost. And then my, I think maybe my, I've got so many favorite quotes about slowing down, but I'll, I'll leave you all with this one from Mae West, the black and white screen icon from back in the day. She once said, anything worth doing is worth doing slowly. Hmm. And I think that kind of gets it. It's so simple, but I think it gets it. all the stuff we've been talking about, relationships, magic, love, soul, spirit, life, the, the big stuff. It's, it's slowness is what gets you there. It's beautiful. I just wanted to say really quickly as we're closing, Renella, I know you talked about how like we're trying to, we're thinking about the end of your life or time is limited and we're just trying to get there. But, you know, I, I went through a period where I dealt with like health and death anxiety and I actually thought about the end of my life. And it's like, what if you did know today was your last day, right? Let's just say you didn't have time. What would you do? Chances are most of us would want to be more present with yeah. our loved ones and with our family members. So actually, if we did have limited time, and if our time was short and if it was cut short, 
we still would want to take that time to be more present and probably not do the things that we consume ourselves with so much now that disconnect us from ourselves and everyone around us. So either way, this thing applies when I think about it. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I, really I think it's, can I, just, can I just add a little thought? Can I just add a little thought there? Yes, I think that's yes. true. If you look at how people tend to respond to uh, the, the announcement that their life is ending very soon for health reasons or whatever, you would think that people would speed up, right? And try and cram more and more mm. into that last time, which is the way the whole culture pushes us. That's the dominant paradigm. But the opposite happens. When people get that, that grim news, yeah. they slow down. They yeah. go small, they go slow, they go inward, right? They go for all the stuff yes. we've been talking about, the low, slow hanging fruit. That's mm. what they go for because that's what really matters in this world. Yeah, it's not what we give our time and attention to now, but it's what we do when when we don't have that much time left, which I think is a very holds within it a very powerful lesson for all of us. Mm, so good. Thank you so much, Carl, for being here all the way from the UK and spending your time with us and taking the time to, gosh, to really just push this movement and to I, I what it was like trying to say I was gonna say to wave this banner I should say yeah. this is the banner <laughs> that our generation <laughs> needs we are gonna try to wave this banner as much as we can with you Ranella I don't know how we can do slow podcasting but maybe that'll be a thing somehow um but thank you so much for your time uh, thank you it's yes, been a really it's been a real that. pleasure from start to finish thanks Yes, absolutely. And I know that we've actually probably just scratched the surface of everything, you know, that, <laughs> that you have to share because there are so many other, you know, sub groups and, and yes. other things that you talk about. So really, really encourage you if you're listening to go to callonore.info. We'll have all the information on the show notes as well and um, take advantage of getting to know Carl here on the podcast. And um, just thank you so much for sharing all of this. We hope that as you go throughout the rest of your week, that you will be able to find those moments to be mindful, to be present, to really be intentional about life and to slow down a little bit. So thank you again for joining us and until next time. Many thanks. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.